0: Career. to rewind back to the start you started at Hartlepool was that the perfect grounding for you coming through?
1: It certainly was you know I got released from Ipswich just before I was 16 year old um, I was there as a schoolboy where I used to get the train down nearly every other week uh, playing an under 16 game and then get the train back on the Sunday evening ready for school the next day uh, got released too small 5 foot 2 one of the reasons um, and went to Hartlepool and did my YTS programme there I uh, was fortunate to get a professional deal Um had a few good years there in the first team and it's a fantastic learning curve. You know, I see so many academy players these days. Um, the best thing to do is play proper football, get out there and, and, and play in the lower leagues, test yourself. Um, listen, it's not easy. You know, you get kicked up a height and you don't get as much time and space on the ball, but it was a fantastic ground for myself and I would encourage anybody who's in academy systems, if they get the chance to go out and and test themselves, go and do it.
0: And in terms of coming through, making your debut, uh, what was that feeling like? And crucially, who were the big characters that helped you at such a young age in that Hartlepool team?
1: Well, I I was fortunate to play with Peter Beadsley. You know, he came for his final year. um, and I mean, he was a hero of mine growing up. So for him to turn up at Hartlepool and and, and join the team was, I couldn't believe it as a young kid. Uh, So I played in the midfield alongside him and, just some of the stuff you learn off him, you know, from his day to day training, and obviously his presence on the football field. Uh, but there were some great characters, you know. Mickey Barron was a club captain; he was he'd been there for a while, uh, fantastic defender, you know, good around the dressing room. Paul Stevenson was an experienced midfielder. Uh, Mark Tinkler, who'd been at Leeds as a youngster and won the FA Youth Cup, uh, there was quite a few, you know, good characters and 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 helped me along the way to to become what I become.
0: When you're playing at Hartlepool week in, week out, it must be a great feeling for you and your family. What was it like when it goes to the next step and, and there's interest in your performances? How do you react to that?
1: Yeah, I think you, you hear the talk, you know, you're, you're doing well, you're scoring a few goals, you're a young lad, there's a, a bit of interest. Um, you're hearing these teams coming to watch it today and bits and bobs. You, you've just got to get on with it, you know, and, until it was finalised, until sort of it was confirmed... Uh, you, you do your best for your, your club and, and that was Hartlepool and I, I kept myself focused. I, I kept doing the business on the field and then um, an offer was accepted and I went to speak to a, a couple of clubs and obviously decided to go back to Ripswich where I'd, I'd spent a, a couple of years there as a schoolboy.
0: It's funny how football works where you're a schoolboy, Ipswich, they let you go and then once you start making your way in the game at Hartlepool, they're one of the sides that are desperate to get you which clearly mean a lot to you as a club was that the deciding factor in going there at the time?
1: It was and obviously they'd, they'd had a fantastic season in the Premier League as well you know they'd just finished fifth they'd qualified for Europe um, I knew it was a massive step going there You know, I was jumping from Division 3 League 2 as it is now uh, all the way to the Premier League I knew I'd have to bide me time uh, but I was going into a club which was a fantastic family club uh, like I said I'd had a couple of years there had a brief spell and you know, there was good people there um, and it was an opportunity I couldn't turn down and I was delighted to, to go back and, and sign.
0: And in terms of the time at the club, you mentioned the fact that they, they were flying high, they finished fifth, they qualified for Europe. What was it like when you initially joined the club when they're going through that spell and, and how quick were you to settle in?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was a long way from home. Uh, obviously, it's, it's four hours away from the northeast. Uh, so, I got myself in an apartment and then obviously I bought a house, uh, but there was good characters there, you know, fantastic footballers, you know, proven Premier League players as well. You know, you had the likes of Jim Magilton, very experienced, very vocal. He helped me with my game as well and he helped me settle Matty Holland, who was obviously a, a great character as well, you know, fantastic captain. Uh, then you had some of the older stages, Mark Venus, Tony Mowbray was coming to the end of his career. Um, so I was in a, a good environment and I had good people around me who, who learned and, and helped me along the way.
0: The first season you were there, was difficult domestically, but you do get the opportunity to play in Europe. What was that like for you against a team like Helsingborg, who so, are a team who are quite well-regarded across the continent?
1: Yeah, that's right. I mean, I, I actually made my debut uh, against uh, Moscow uh, in Russia and Europe. Um, I came on to sub, I think, for the last 15 minutes or so, and I, I think we won the game 1-0. Um, so it was pretty surreal. You know, you'd watched... Growing up as a kid, you know you'd watch the European games on TV, and it was sur- surreal moment sort of playing in it. Um, but again, a fantastic experience going to different countries, playing against different national team nationalities. Uh, but loved every minute of it, and it was a it was a great experience along the way.
0: You mentioned two characters there, in Matt Holland and Jim Magilton. What was Jim Magilton like on a day to day basis? I know he obviously manages you in the future, but you mentioned the fact he was very vocal. He, he's, he's the sort of guy who I imagine that he was just great to have on your team
1: Superb you know a very very vocal very loud uh, bubbly character um, superb for the dressing room you'd fall out with him you, you, you'd make up with him um, he was he was just one of these fellas who his passion for the game was so intense you know it, on the football field, if you did not pass him the ball, he wouldn't speak to you. He'd fall out with you. He just demanded high, high standards. And if you fell below them, he was the first one to tell you. But then off the field, he was a great friend, you know, and still is to this day. He's he's just a very passionate guy who who just wanted the best for the football club. And he was a winner, you know, and like I said, a, a fantastic footballer who he'd want the ball anywhere on the field and uh, good, good to play with.
0: Joe, uh, George Burley sorry, was your, your first manager when you went to Ipswich. Eventually, he gets replaced by Joe Royal. What was that transition like? Because I imagine they're different characters as well.
1: They are different characters. You know, Joe Royal's very laid back, very relaxed. Uh, George Burley is a bit more intense and a bit more full on. And I learned lots of things from George and I learned lots of things from Joe. You know, I think Joe Royal obviously got the best out of me. Uh, I think the formation we played under Joe suited me more and he'd give me a license to get forward. He'd seen in training and that I could finish. I was a good finisher, And obviously my record at Hartlepool was decent. Uh, and he sort of just said to me, listen, you get in the box, get in the box, get forward. There was other lads behind me who would do my sort of defending a little bit in midfield, the likes of Jim, the likes of Kevin Harlock. Um, so, I love playing for Joe. you know we, we'd attack every every game you know we, if we conceded far we'd score six it, it was one of them it was fantastic attacking football and the fans enjoyed it we loved it as players and yes at times we were a bit open but it was great for me because like I said I had a license to get forward and, and get the goals that I did
0: you mentioned the fact that you get to score plenty of goals, which you do. You also think of some of the guys you played alongside that were goal scorers as well. Darren Bent, Darren Ambrose, uh, Pablo Canyago as well. What was it like playing with them and playing in a team that, as, you, as you've already referenced, loved to attack and play in the front foot?
1: Just, just love turning up for games. You know, we, we were going into games very confident, knowing that we would score goals. Yes, we might concede a few along the way, but we knew we'd score a lot. And like you just said there, Darren Bent, obviously was coming through the, the, the youths at the time when Afus went and what a fantastic talent, you know, and he obviously burst onto the scene and went on to, to bigger and better things. And it didn't surprise me that he, he went into the Premier League and scored the goals he did. He was a, a fantastic talent who would run in behind, he would stretch teams, you know, I'd get the ball, I knew exactly where he'd run. Um, Darren Ambrose was another one, you know, they were very good friends and they had a fantastic understanding on the pitch and Darren Ambrose could score spectacular goals. You had Pablo Canago, who was the best player I've played with me, just because we had an instant connection. I didn't have to look. I knew where he was on the field. And back to goal, he was, he was superb, so strong. And he would twist defenders and he could finish. And like I said, we had an instant connection on the field. And then you had big Chef Cucci as well, who was something different, a big powerhouse up front, big strong man, you know, who would, again, score great goals. He was very good in the air. We had very good options and we had some fantastic players.
0: In the Championship, you got stronger year on year as a player. Six goals in your first season, 10 in the second, and then 13 in the league in, in, in your third and final season of that first spell. You were getting stronger as a player. You were clearly a talisman for the, for the team at the time. Ultimately, in the end, getting very close, but not quite getting over the line in terms of promotion. Was that the ultimate frustration, considering how well you were doing individually and the team were collectively for most of the time?
1: It certainly was. You know, to, we we were knocking on the door. You know, we had two years in the playoffs where we got beat in the semi-finals twice off West Ham, um, and it was a big disappointment. You know, we we'd sort of been up there all season. Certainly, the last year I was there, we were I think we were top of the league in January and looked like we we could do it. Um, and Big Shevky was flying, and he got injured in in one of the games, and he he ended up missing two home games, and he. It was vital. I think we we dropped points, we lost, and I think we drew. I think it was Watford and QBR, and it sort of knocked us a little bit. Um, And then we we got knocked out of the automatic spots, and ended up going in the playoffs. And obviously, West Ham beat us, and that was the second year. And we should we should have been up because we deserved it. But obviously, we tailed off towards the end.
0: Overall, in that first spell at Ipswich, how do you reflect on it as a whole? Because clearly, it had been a successful time for you individually. And as, as we just talked about there, you didn't quite go over the line as a side in terms of promotion back to the Premier League. But I imagine for you looking back, it's an era that you look back on fondly considering that it earns you a move, as we'll come on to, to the Premier League anyway.
1: Yeah, I mean, I loved every minute of it. It was a it was a great experience and a great club. Uh, but it, it always sort of enters your head. What if, you know, what if we'd have got promoted? A lot of things would have changed. Um would I have gone to Sutherland? Possibly not. I'd have probably stayed at Ipswich and, you know, and had another year or two there. And it was, I was comfortable there. You know, I was playing in a team which I thrived on the environment, everything around it. It, it was just so good. And like I say, I, we, I look back now and I think, what if uh, we should have been promoted, but we didn't? And unfortunately, a few players left uh, that season, me being one, and um, it was a shame.
0: One of the sides you were linked with, you can tell from my accent, I'm based in Scotland, was Celtic. How close were you to joining Celtic?
1: Well, Celtic was, was interested. Uh, I never really got to, to speak to them. Uh, it was just sort of a bit of talk, you see. You know, I'd spoke to Gordon Stracken a few years before a went to Ripswich and he, I nearly signed for Coventry uh, for him. Uh, so there was a bit of a link there, but I think once Sunderland came in, it, it was my boyhood club. Uh, it was the only club I was going to go to. Uh, Leeds as well were another club that were interested and I did speak with them. Um, but Sunderland getting promoted, being in the Premier League, it was an opportunity I couldn't turn down and um, I decided to, to, to
0: join Sunderland. You joined Sunderland, as you mentioned, boyhood club, massive club as well. I think a lot of people who are out with the North East maybe aren't aware of how big Sunderland are and they're a juggernaut of a club when you consider the fans turn out week in, week out, regardless of which division they're in. See, because you were a boyhood fan, what's it like when you sign for your boyhood club? Because obviously I imagine it's a proud moment to sign for any club and be a professional, but when it's your club, just describe that feeling.
1: Yeah, obviously proud. You know, it was a fantastic feeling, you know I mean, as soon as I knew they were interested in me, I couldn't stop sort of smiling, and you know, I was very happy and uh, just delighted to, to get back home as well, you know to get back home with friends and family um, I knew it was going to be a big challenge, I knew there was going to be a lots of pressure put on me being a local boy uh, coming back home, but I was ready to take it on and I was looking forward to, to what it brought um, and just, like I said, delighted to to, to sign for this it. massive club. So that are massive. You know, they're in League One now, obviously, but they should be in the Premier League. It's a it's ridiculous where they ended up.
0: In terms of that season, it was a very tough season for the club. Why do you think it was so tough? Because Mick McCarthy, when you look at his career pre Sunderland and even post Sunderland, has a has been able to keep teams in the Premier League and challenge in the championship. Why do you think it didn't work out that year?
1: I think lack of money, I think, is definitely a major factor. I think when you get promoted to the Premier League, there's no doubt about it. It's a big step from the Championship and you need money. Um, And I don't think Mick was given the funds, which um, he should have been. Um, I think I look at managers after him who were given an open cheque book, really, and the money they've spent. And you just have to look at where the club is now. Um, It's an absolute disaster what's happened to them in recent years. But I do believe if Mick had been given... You know, a bit more money to spend. I don't know, five million, ten million. Maybe uh, he would have kept the the club up. I think we just it wasn't for a lack of effort or you know endeavor. It was just we didn't have enough quality. Uh, it's as simple as that. We were we were given as much as we could, but at the end of the day, if you if you don't have that quality, then you're going to struggle, and and that's what it bowed down to.
0: You mentioned the fact that the team are struggling. The team the team goes down. Changes happen behind the scenes. Niall Quinn starts the season in charge and then Roy Keane comes into the club. What was your initial reaction when Roy was appointed?
1: Well, again, Roy was another one of the players who I'd looked up to uh, growing up. Uh, a fantastic player, you know, a fantastic midfielder, box to box. So I was, I was really looking forward to it. You know, his name has been mentioned and. Uh, Well fortunately for me I think I got injured in the third game uh, against Plymouth at home and I was out for six weeks after that well within that time Roy Keane's come in and he's brought his own players in which is understandable Uh, he brought Graham Kavanagh in Liam Miller in uh, Dwight York in who ended up playing midfield Uh, so I knew it was going to be hard for me to to force my way into his plans especially with us being in the treatment room Um, but it was a big lift for the club uh, and obviously Roy Got them up to the Premier League, which is 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 what he was brought in for.
0: It was a it was a time where you mentioned the fact that you've got that injury when a new manager comes in. It's hard to then get back in. You go out on loan that season, um, Preston North End. What was it like going out on loan at that stage of your career?
1: Yeah, I mean, I was I, I was knocking on the door. I was doing everything I could in training, and uh, I just. Was missing out, I wasn't getting in the in the team or even on the bench uh, there was a couple of times I, I did make the bench but never really got on and Roy just said listen you need to go and play games and I totally agreed with him and Ipswich did come in for me uh, to go back on loan and, and Preston North End as well uh, I looked at the sort of logistics and thought "Well, I can travel to, to Preston uh, from where I'm currently living um, and Preston were doing well in the Championship you know they had a, a good team and I just thought, yeah, let's let's give it a go. And I ended up going to Preston, I think it was for about four or five weeks um, and played in every one of the games. And we ended up being top of the league in the championship. So it was a good club. Um, and I ended up playing against someone, which I think you're probably going to come on to.
0: Well, I was going to mention that, absolutely. You go on loan from Sunderland, you play against them and beat them. Just describe what that was like. it was
1: crazy because Paul Simpson sort of the manager of Preston that week was was saying have you heard from Roy have you heard from Sunderland and I was sort of saying no I haven't heard anything he said well there's nothing in the contract to say you can't play so as the sort of days went on and we got to Thursday Friday I'm thinking there's a chance I'm going to be playing here so I ended up obviously playing in the game at the the stadium very surreal you know being a Sunderland player but obviously playing against him for Preston and I, I went there obviously wanting to win because I was a Preston player at the time of the game Uh, Roy Keane didn't fancy me at Sunderland or certainly didn't fancy me at that time and I thought I'm going there to do a job and going there to help Preston win the game and we won the game 1-0 and I think Roy sort of said to the lads after the game or at half time the best player for them is one of ours and it it was madness really Um, and then he recalled me I think just after the game and I thought maybe I'll get a bit of an opportunity now but Again, I was just sort of on the bench and, and didn't really get in, which was fair because they were doing well and they picked up and obviously they went on to take a promotion, which was great for the club.
0: What was he like as a manager at that time? Because you mentioned the fact that he recalls you, then he doesn't necessarily utilise you regularly. How frustrating was that? And did you ever go and see him about it? And if so, how did he react to that?
1: Well, it was very frustrating. You know, Roy Keane is Roy Keane. I think everyone knows what he's like. Um you know he likes he likes the confrontation um. and maybe I was a little bit too sort of easy going you know I, I didn't really I seen him a couple of times and said why aren't I playing and he sort of gave me his, his reasons and I sort of didn't push it uh, and I look back and I think maybe I should have done and maybe I should have given him a bit more uh, but listen his mind was probably made up and uh, it was one of them things he as a manager he, he had good coaches around him uh, you know he sort of liked the, like I just said, he liked confrontation. So he liked someone having a go back at him. He sort of thrived on that because then he could give a bit. And really that wasn't my my sort of cup of tea.
0: In terms of the squad that season, you mentioned the fact that he brings in his own players, and one of them he brings in, obviously, Dwight York, who ends up playing in midfield, as you mentioned. What was York like as a trainer? Was he someone that trained well, or was he a case of relaxing, and then he would turn it on on a Saturday?
1: I think he's, he's that style, isn't he? He's very, very laid back, very, very relaxed. But when it came to training and when it came to matches, he, he was on it, you know, and he did fantastic for some. And, you know, he went into the middle of midfield and he could pass the ball and he knew the game. And, yes, there was some games where it didn't quite work out for him but obviously he had the trust of the manager uh the manager knew him very well and he, he did a fantastic job for someone you know he, he helped them get to to where they, they where they wanted to go and so you can't knock him
0: ultimately in the end describe the feeling of Sunderland getting promoted that season it being your club but in a sense not feeling entirely part of it
1: yeah a bit of sweet you know as much as I was delighted for the for the lads who were there at the time and obviously the fans, uh, you know, getting back to the Premier League at the at the first attempt, it was it was great for the city and, and great for the region. Uh, so I'm sort of celebrating, but I'm not really because I I didn't really offer much of a a, a part really, sort of a little bit of a part, but that was it. You know, it, it didn't it didn't really feel anything to me. Do you know what I mean? It didn't really mean much to me, but obviously it meant a lot for the club to get up, which I was pleased about. But personally, it was. Um, I didn't warrant, you know, being part of it.
0: The, the club go up, you leave the club, and, and you return this time to Ipswich, who you mentioned were interested in you previously. How big a factor was Jim Magilton, now the manager, in getting you back at Ipswich?
1: Yeah, it was it was the main factor. You know, obviously I knew the club, and it was one of them, do you go back? Uh, people always say you shouldn't go back. And, and again, I, I, I could have went to Leeds, Leeds... I spoke to Dennis Wise and I met Ken Bates uh, and obviously Paul Yett was the assistant manager and it, it was, do I go to Leeds? Again, I, I wouldn't have to move home. I could travel there, but as soon as Jim sort of made his interest, I thought, yeah, I, I know him so well and I know how he wants to play football. Um, and it, it, again, I had to, I made a decision up and obviously I went back to Ripswich and um, again, I enjoyed it, but it, it, it didn't really work out as, as planned.
0: In terms of going back there, how did how did Jim Magilton differ from when he was a player to, to now as the manager?
1: Well, it was hard at first because obviously Jim was making the transition um, and like I said, he was a very popular guy in the dressing room, so he was very friendly with players. Uh, if, he ha- if he had to say something, he would say it, he wouldn't hold back. Uh, so it was quite strange because he was now the manager uh, and you obviously call him gaffer rather than Jim. And, you could still have a bit of a laugh and joke with him, but obviously there was a there was a line you couldn't cross. Um, but his passion and his sort of everything he offers the game was was there from the sidelines as a manager. And uh, he'd admit he made a couple of mistakes early on in his managerial career, but he wanted the best. And going back to Ipswich, if he'd have stayed at Ipswich and he'd had money what other managers had had, I'm sure he he would have been successful because he wasn't too far away with the. The job he was doing, he was he was doing a good job, and we we just missed out on the playoffs.
0: You mentioned the fact you miss out in the playoffs, and the first season finishing eighth, second season you finished ninth. But Jim Majilton's replaced by it's just amazing how football works is replaced by Roy Keane. What's your reaction when Keane comes through the door? Because having haven't really played with under him at, at Sunderland and not been in his plans, etc. Is that the worst feeling as a player when the manager comes in and you kind of know what's going to happen before it even does?
1: <laughs> yeah I mean crazy I mean I, I knew my contract was coming to an end so I, I I'd been in to see Jim obviously like as you know a, a good friend of mine and I just said what's happening Jim I said because obviously my contract's coming to an end um, what's the chances of me staying here and he just went this is my hands are tied he said if if we don't get in the playoffs um, this season um, I, I will be here and more or less said that to me so I was sort of, not on the actively searching for a club, but the word was out there that I could be available and I ended up um, signing a pre-contract with Sheffield Wednesday, so by the time Roy Keane came in, I knew where I was going for the next season, uh, and it's just as well, really, because before Roy came in, there was all sorts of names mentioned, who, if Jim was going to get the sack, and, and I couldn't believe it when Roy's name was mentioned, I thought surely not, and then he obviously gets the job, and he walks in, and I think his first words, he, as he walks through the door, I was the first person he saw, and he, he sort of said, hi, Tommy, he says, I bet you didn't think you'd see me again. And I thought, yeah, I, I didn't actually. <laughs> but um, I, knew, I knew where I was going at the end of the season anyway.
0: And when he walks through the door Up Ipswich, was he different at all to the way he was at Sunderland? Do you think that experience changed him in any way?
1: Not particularly. No, I think uh, he came in and he, he upset a few lads straight away. And um, he... he it was more or less, I think it was the last few games. You only had a few games left for that season, so I knew there was going to be a big clear out and lads who were out of contract were going to be moving on uh, But he'd want to put his own stamp on things, which is what managers would like to do and I understood all that. Um, but speaking to players who were there in his first season, um, there was a feeling that, yeah, Tommy, you were right what you said you know, about him, that he, he likes the confrontation, he likes the, the sort of that side of the game and um, a lot of players moved on after he was appointed.
0: You mentioned signing the pre-contract with Sheffield Wednesday. You go there, massive, massive football club. Um, A lot of people, I think, especially up here, don't realise how big Sheffield Wednesday are. Massive stadium, passionate fans. Ultimately, though, when you look at that spell of your career, it just doesn't work out at all for for whatever reason. Alan Irvin, Gary Megson, ultimately... What do you think went wrong at Sheffield United in that spell? Because they were a massive club, but for a couple of years, they they just seemed to to toil a wee bit.
1: They did. You know, I was so excited to be going. Uh, Like you said, a a a massive club, you know, a massive city, two big clubs in there, Sheffield wins and Sheffield United. And I was looking forward to it, you know, really looking forward to it. Uh, And I think after about two weeks, it was the second week of pre-season, I've, I've gone in for a challenge on one of the lads, Leon Clark, I've sort of stuck my leg up and I've, I've tore my thigh, um, so I was out for six, seven weeks, uh, so I missed the rest of pre-season, I missed the start of the season and from then on I was playing catch-up, so I managed to get in the team and then I picked up another injury, it seemed to be a muscle injury after muscle injury at Sheffield Wednesday and it sort of blighted my spell there um, and then when I did have a run in the team, the, the team wasn't doing great and we pick up a couple of wins and then we'd have a few defeats and then Brian Laws moved on and got the sack and then we ended up getting relegated on the final day which was a, a disaster for a club of that size and obviously for, for myself personally and for the lads who were there it, it wasn't great and we had to start in on the following season.
0: When you look at that period, Sheffield Wednesday, especially you mentioned getting into League One. Now, on the pitch, you score nine goals that season. You play 34 league games. You're playing games, you're scoring goals. But again, ultimately, for whatever reason, it's just not quite enough at all for the club. Finishing 15th in League One is, is somewhere where I'm sure yourself would admit it's not where Sheffield Wednesday should really be.
1: No, not good enough. You know, we, we started the season ever so well. I think we... went to Hartlepool and won five there, I think, on the opening day and, you know, got off to a great start and there was big expectation, which there should be at a club like Sheffield Wednesday and if as a player, if you don't feel that and you don't want that, then you shouldn't be there and we underachieved massively. Uh, It was a, a very frustrating season and Again, personally, I I, think I picked up a hamstring injury. I mean, I'd, I'd never had muscle injuries in me in my career, and I would to just pick them all up at once at Sheffield Wednesday. My me, me thigh, my me hamstring, my calf. Uh, it, it was a, a disaster personally, uh, fitness-wise. Um, and then, obviously, when I was getting back in the team, the, the team was struggling for form, and it was it was frustrating because, like you say, it was a club that should never be in that league. But uh, as a group of players, we we weren't we did do not do the job and we, we underachieved and it was disappointing.
0: What was get What's Gary Megson like as a, as a character? Um, from the outside looking in, he seems like quite a dull character. I could be totally off it with that, but he, I don't know what it is. I just feel that he's one of those managers, and I, I feel sorry saying this for Gary if he, if he listens to this, but he seems like the sort of manager that when he, he goes to a club, the fans are never particularly enthused and, and sometimes you wonder... Can that transmit its way onto the players? Yeah, he's got that
1: persona, hasn't it? that sort of image where he he's a bit dull and he can be a bit boring from the outside, but on the inside, he's, he's a good fella, you know, a, a decent manager, a decent coach, uh, and he's quite funny. You know, he had his moments and he he come out with his one-liners, so he was quite bright and bubbly um, on the inside. Um, he actually lived in the same village as myself, so I've seen him quite a lot uh, in and around there. Uh, um, but again it didn't end great with him because he made me captain and it, it was coming to the end of my contract and uh, I think if I'd played another five games I was going to get a, a, another year on the same money which Sheffield Windsor weren't prepared to, to sort of agree to they sort of said listen you, you can't be on that money It's you're going to have to take a hit and I said that's fine uh, he said right we'll sort a new contract out I'm sure we, uh, we could come to an agreement but as the end of the season fizzled out it, it I wouldn't say he went back on his word, but I was disappointed to to be released because, like I said, he may be captain and I still thought I had something to offer. Um, and I was going on the understanding that I would be offered something, but that's football. And I ended up moving on and went to Huddersfield.
0: You move on to Huddersfield and, and that's is successful in the sense that the club gets promoted from League One and, and the, that season, Jordan Rhodes, has one of the best league seasons from any striker in, in, in a long, long time
1: ridiculous you know I mean again when I was at Ipswich he was a young kid coming through so I knew all about him uh, and he, he was prolific in, at the Ipswich Academy and the in the youth team and you know he, he used to train with us and listen he might not do much in the game but he would always score goals and that's sort of been his career even though I think he's improved his he's hold up player and his all round game uh, as the years have gone on but anywhere in and around the box he gets a chance and he, he, he scores goals uh, that, that's what he's done all his career and at Huddersfield, he was just prolific, and we knew going into games that listen, if we don't play too well, just try and stick in there, and he'll get he'll nick us a goal, he'll get us a goal from somewhere, and he did that on many occasions. And but we had some good players, we had a good squad, and we we deserved to go up in the end. And obviously, Lee Clark um, moved on; he got the sack, um, and I think the club got fifty-three games unbeaten, which was a record. Um, obviously from the previous season, going into the, the one where I was. Uh, Simon Grayson came in and he got us over the line through the playoffs.
0: What was it like when when Lee left at that stage of the season and Simon comes in? Because I always imagine it's if you're down the bottom of the league, you can expect a second, whereas when, when things are going okay and there's a second, it must be strange at times because as players you think that's quite harsh.
1: It's very strange, you know, and I think when Simon Grayson came in, he, he didn't really have to change much because there wasn't much wrong, you know we were doing alright, we were doing well, we were in the right place at the right, you know, we were moving in the right direction Uh I just think the chairman obviously Huddersfield had knocked on the door a, a couple of years and he just thought he needed to make the change to, to sort of see us over the line, to guarantee it and he, he went for someone who's got a, a proven track record of getting clubs out of the division and getting teams promoted and and in Simon Grayson that's what he that's what he done in the end and his, his decision was was sort of proved right uh, who's to say Lee Clark probably could have done the same I don't know but obviously the chairman's made a decision and it's turned out to to be the right one in the
0: end you have success through the playoffs describe what it's like going up in that fashion
1: yeah, I think if there's a way to go, up, it's it's at Wembley, you know, in front of the fans, big crowd. I mean, the, the game itself was a bit dull, uh, very cagey, not many chances, uh, very hot day. Um, I, I nearly scored literally in extra time just before the end where I think Michael Doyle's cleared out off the line. And then we go into penalty shootout, which um, I'm sure you were going to go on to, uh, but I'll, I'll take you there. Yeah. Um, so I've gone to the toilet as soon as the game's finished, uh, come out and Jordan Rhodes sort of chucks me the ball and he went, you're first up. And listen, I've always been very confident from the spot. I think I got to about 34 or 34 and, and then I missed a, a one for Sheffield Wednesday and then I'd missed one for Huddersfield that season as well. So I went up there still confident. I thought, yeah, I know where I'm going to put it and I just haven't hit it cleanly and, and sort of the keepers read me all day long and I've missed and let me tell you it's it's a long walk back to the halfway line from, from, from there.
0: <laughs> I, I imagine it is. And in terms of that that moment you mentioned the fact of getting thrown the ball and told you first, is that really the worst possible preparation for, for a, such a, a big moment?
1: Well, it could be easy for me to say yes, it is, but now it's, it's Jordan Rhodes knew what I was like from the spot. You know, he'd seen me at Ipswich um when he was there, so he he passed me the ball and he, he knew that he was quite confident that I would score and I was myself. And it was just one of them things where I didn't hit it properly and the keeper saved it. So as I've come back, you know, the the lads are sort of trying to to keep me on my side and, you know, the the, the captain Peter Clark, he said, don't worry, someone else will miss. Someone else will miss. And we ended up missing our, missing our first three, uh, me, Alan Lee and and Damian Johnson. Uh, But fortunately in the end, we, we won because obviously Sheffield United missed a few of theirs as well. And, the goalkeepers came up uh, and, and Simmonson was coming up for, for Sheffield United. And if he had scored, it was going to go back round. So I was back up. And let me tell you now, I was so pleased when he missed, obviously for us getting promoted, but for the thought of not going back up to take a penalty.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. Absolutely. And, <laughs> and and getting that promotion at Wembley, having that success and celebration must be incredible. But, when you're told soon after that that you're not going to be getting a new contract, just how frustrating is that when you've played a big part in the promotion campaign?
1: It is because, again, I still thought I had something to offer, uh, but I realised that he had me and Damien Johnson who were similar ages uh, in the middle of midfield and he he maybe start the championship, uh, I need to freshen things up and I need to bring a couple of players in. And again, towards the end of the season, I was getting the right... Voices and getting the right words, you know, you'll get off at something and, you know, don't worry and all that stuff. But like I said earlier, things change in football and it's one of them things. And I was gutted not to have stayed because I'd love to have played in the championship for them. But in the meantime, it was off to another, another club and a new adventure.
0: You mentioned the adventure and we talk about big characters, Roy Keane to Paolo De Canio, from the frying pan into the fire. What was that like? <laughs>
1: Um, superb I, I mean people have asked me this question lots of times and I absolutely love Paolo Di Canio um, I, I had a, a phone call from his agent uh, when I'd left Huddersfield and it was just sort of a, an answer machine uh, because I'd missed the call and it was there, it's Phil Spencer here it's Paolo de Canio's agent uh, can you give me a ring back and There was a lot of prank phone calls going around in football and a lot of lads I know do it. And I just thought it was someone messing about. I mean, they were saying it was Phil Spencer. So I was thinking that programme, location, 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 what's on the telly? (laughs) I thought, someone's having me on here. And anyway, he rang again the next day. So I thought, I best ring him back here. So I rang him back and he just went, listen, Paulo wants you to come down to Swindon, and he wants to chat with you. Can you come down tomorrow? And I sort of said, yeah, absolutely. So I've ended up getting the train down, going into his office where him... Uh, the assistant manager, Fabrizio, the goalkeeper coach um, and the, the fitness coach were in there and so I had a chat with him and I mean I was just sort of, my jaw was just dropping, you know, absolutely meeting him because of what he did in the game and what an absolute character and he is um, and as soon as he was speaking and as soon as his ideas were coming across and his plans I just knew I'm definitely signing uh, it, was, it was very Eventful. It was a. It was very a learning curve. Uh, I thought I'd seen it all in football in terms of management styles and coaching styles, but I hadn't. You know, he he offered something different, very flamboyant. But let me tell you, what a fantastic coach! his office he was sort of giving me the how he sees it, what he does, and it was like you don't get any days off. And I was thinking, well, surely you get days off. And he's like, we are Monday to Sunday, Monday to Sunday. He said Wednesday. This English mentality of days off no chance. He said, we work hard. And I sort of came out of the room thinking, yeah, give over. You must have a day off. And and let me tell you now, I think we went about 76 days uh, before we got a day off. Uh, It was crazy. We we went to Italy for pre-season for two weeks, which was the hardest pre-season I've ever had, but probably the fittest I'd felt for a long, long time went out after it. Um, But, a fantastic coach. Yes, his man management skills let him down, but a fantastic coach with some very good ideas. And it could be a bit like Groundhog Day at times, you know, the, the days, the weeks were sort of similar. But we were doing well. We were top of the league. We were, we were buying into what he was all about. And I, I loved it. Like I said earlier, I, I loved playing
0: for him. In terms of man management, what were some of the crazy things you would get up to?
1: Oh, crazy. I mean, you'd draw a game on a Saturday uh, or if you got beat and you'd be in the next morning at six o'clock in the morning, you know, for a video analysis in the room and he'd have clips already. I don't think he'd be to sleep. He'd um, just go through everything, every player. And that's what let him down a little bit because he was a bit too tough on certain individuals. You know, if you had to be mentally strong. If you if you weren't, you were finished. Um, and I think he saw that uh, and he would go through players and just saw sort of. Batter them, really. Let's be honest. He would batter them and tell them what they did wrong, and sort of laugh at them a little bit. And not great, but uh, very sort of eventful and 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 funny at times. You know, he, he had his moments, and obviously we all know what happened with 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 Wes Foddering and when he brought him off at, at Preston.
0: <laughs> oh, absolutely! That's one of the, mo- the craziest things you you see you see in football, and and in terms of the can would he join in and training and if he did would he would he still have quality and would he show that off
1: i mean he w- he wouldn't join in the the sort of small sided games or anything but if we did a bit of shooting he would he would join in and obviously his technique was ridiculous as everyone knows who's watched him play on the tv and, and seen him play live his his volleys and everything like that i mean he still had it and he he still looked after himself he was fit as a lop you know he, he, there was nothing on him and um just a, a good, good guy in terms of how he, how he spoke to me personally. I've gone really well with him. I don't know whether it's because I was a bit more experienced and a bit older, but from a personal point of view, I, I really enjoyed playing for him.
0: One of the players you played alongside who's had a lot of success here in Scotland and the, the podcast and, and media side is Simon Ferry. What was Simon like as a footballer?
1: Simon Ferry was very, very good and, and he should have done a lot more with his career. Um, I mean, I remember playing against him the year before I went uh, for Huddersfield and we got beaten in the FA Cup off Swindon um, and he played midfield against me and he could run all day. I mean, I was a very fit lad and obviously I was coming to the, I was in my 30s at the time but I was still getting around the pitch and I come up against Simon and he could run all day and he had good quality and he had a good link up with Matt Ritchie and Paul Caddis, obviously another Scottish lad um, so when I came to Swindon I knew a little bit about him and He was very, very good and he should have gone on to to bigger and better things, I believe. Uh, He picked up a few injuries along the way, which didn't help and he had a few problems with his back, but a great character for the dressing room. I mean, what a funny lad. I know he's doing big things in Scotland now with his his talks and stuff like that and he's getting people on the show, but he is a funny, funny lad um, and a really good lad.
0: And in terms of De Canio, see when he leaves the club, was it in a sense a feeling like the storm is over in terms of that intensity and that passion
1: I think it was for some I think it was for some but I think for others now and certainly I've spoke to people just after he went and maybe the season after and people think you know all that stuff we did with Paolo and all the stuff he would say and all the things he would go through and as much as certain people or a lot of individuals didn't believe it at the time they would admit that he was right. You know, all the stuff he was trying to teach us, all the stuff he was showing us, all the stuff we were doing, it it, it was right, you know, because it was working and uh, they don't realise how good it was, I think, until he went. Um, So, for some, it was a a relief because of the intensity he had and the pressures he put on you. Uh, But for a a few of us, it was a case of what happens now, you know, we've been doing ever so well and the team's flying high and, uh, someone's going to come in and are they going to change everything completely And with us being so close? Uh, and I think I had a brief spell of doing it with with Darren Ward as, as player manager.
0: What's it like when you're put into that role as, as a player manager? Is it difficult in the sense that you get on with the lads in the dressing room and, and you're an equal to them, but then you're put into the manager's post where you're a step above them in, in a sense?
1: It, it was hard for me and Darren because... Uh, Darren Ward, because we, we both wanted to play and we both you know wanted to be in the team and still wanted to play. I think if it was another year or two, then obviously one of us maybe might have said, listen, I'll, I'll sit this game out or whatever, and I'll do it from the sidelines and I'll do it properly. You know what I mean? I think it's very hard when you're on the pitch, you're trying to get instructions across and you're trying to concentrate on yourself as well, playing the game. Uh, and it's hard to look after the other lads as well. And we, we had a little bit of help from the youth coach, Jamie Pittman, who was on the in the dugout. Um, so he was a good help as well. But me and Darren sort of said after a couple of games, listen, we both want to play. And we seen the, the sort of new chairman who was covered in and we just said, listen, I think it's best if you, if you bring a manager in because we still want to play and we still believe we have a lot to offer on the on the field. Uh, so obviously Kevin MacDonald was appointed and, and Mark Cooper came in alongside him
0: they come in and, and, and you get to the end of the season ultimately the club doesn't get promoted to the championship when at times during that season it looked as if as if they could have you end up moving on from the club and, and your next club is is Bury and and obviously this is a, a part of the interview that I'm really interested to get your perspective on because obviously you've played for so many great clubs in, in Sunderland, Ipswich, Sheffield Wednesday and others but with Buddy, there's a sadness there because they were a great club in their own right at their level, and obviously we all know what's happened to them now. What was it like as a club when you were there?
1: Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say there was early signs of what was going to happen, but it's certainly behind the scenes. You could see there was a few issues. Uh, you know, where we trained wasn't great. You know, the training gear we had it, and I realised, listen, low league clubs might struggle financially and you know they, they sort of run week to week, day to day. Uh, but it, it just it didn't feel right. You know, it, it was there was shortcuts on certain things, you know, on traveling and it just it just wasn't right. Um, and it it didn't surprise me they sort of the financial difficulties that they sort of went into you know, after I'd left a few years down the line and you all know what's happened now. It's it's an absolute disaster because there's a club and um, as a place it needs its football and it, it it's a, it's a big club there, you know, it's it's a fantastic club with lots of tradition, good history around it and it should be in the league and for for mismanagement behind the scenes uh, and for obviously overspending and whatever, it, it's gone out of business, which is a disaster, you know, for the for the people of Bury and who supported them for so long. It's it's it's, it's such a shame.
0: It's a tragic story in football and, and sadly, something that we've, we've seen again in recent times, Macclesfield, the latest club who who have been expelled from the league for, for things that have been on behind the scenes, no fault of the fans, of course, and they lose their football club, which is which is utterly tragic, and and you just think, how on earth can this happen when there's players getting transferred for, for nearly £100 million, in some cases over £100 million, but it's one of those things where football is, is just so so polarised in terms of finances where at the elite game there's there's enough money to, to do what you want with it and as you know, working at non-league level and, and lower league level towards the end of your career, the finances just simply aren't there and you go on to to finish your career in the football league with, with Hartlepool. Um, you obviously then go on Halifax and, and, and Spennymoor where you are now, primarily in a coaching role, but... Was finishing your career at Hartlepool that one of the, in a sense, the perfect way to, to to round everything off, considering you started there and they had given you so much, you had given them so much, and, and now it was time to to end it all where you began. It,
1: it was, but it was bittersweet for me because it, it was the perfect club to go back to, you know, and I started there and I've been at all the clubs um, since, and obviously I ended up back there, uh, and again, probably my body was telling me something because. I ended up playing against Cambridge and then on the Monday training, I ended up getting a tear in my calf. I sort of stretched for a ball and as I've landed, I just felt something in my calf and I just thought, this is not right. And it was a frustrating season. Um, I kept trying to come back too early. I kept breaking down and re-tearing. It was an absolute nightmare. I was going all over. I was going to Leeds to to see specialists there. And then I ended up going to London uh, and they said it was quite common with athletics and stuff like that, this sort of injury where I had a problem with the scar tissue on the inside and my rehab was going so well, I was strengthening and then as soon as I went out to train after about 10 minutes I'd try and do something a bit quicker and it would just go and I just thought to myself, this is, this is something telling me that this is probably going to be the end, you know, I was and the, the funniest thing was I was stuck on 599 games, now anyone who knows me knows I'm very particular with stuff and I've got a bit of OCD. So if I was to finish on 599 games, I would never have sort of lived it down. You know, I I, I still be thinking about it now. Uh, So I was trying my hardest to get back and kept breaking down. Like I said earlier, and I ended up getting back for the sort of last couple of months of the season and the club was struggling, you know, the the club were fighting relegation. It was going to go to the wire uh, and I ended up getting on in the, I think it was the last home game uh, where we, we wanted to, to, to stay up really. So it was, it was good that we'd stayed up, but from a personal point of view, it was it was a sad way to finish because I'd love to have played more games um, in my in last season, really.
0: Overall, how do you reflect on your playing career? Because you played hundreds of games at a, at a very high level. You'd achieved promotion in football, which every player wants to do. You have the pains of relegation in your career as well. You play for your boyhood club, Overall, how do you reflect on it? Because you've achieved things that, as I say, most players listening to this and fans would absolutely snap your hand off to do half of it.
1: Yeah, I mean, like you say, I've I, I enjoyed it. You know, yes, there was ups and downs along the way, but it's it's a career where it goes quick. And I remember my old youth team manager at Hartlepool, uh, Billy Horner, uh, and I was an 18-year-old kid at the time and might have been 17, and he used, used to say it to me, listen, make sure you make the most of it because it goes quickly. And I used to think, "Don't be silly," and all of a sudden, his words have just remained with me uh, since then. Really, and every time as the years go by, I'm thinking, "He's right because it does go quick, and you have to make the most of it." And there was things I could have done better along the way, absolutely. Uh, but I, I'm I'm proud of, of what I've done. You know, I, I played 600 games and I scored over 100 goals. It was about 109. So I was happy with my career overall and um, just. Shame that it comes to an end But It has to And that's, that's age And as you get older The injuries you pick up And It, it didn't help And slowed me down a little bit But Overall Pleased Um, uh, and, and now Starting again as a, as a coach And hopefully As a manager To, to get back up the ladder really
0: Absolutely And, and I wish you All the very best with that And Just before you go Tell me a few quick fire ones for you Best players yeah. you played with
1: uh, Pablo Canago Was the best player I played with By not by far, but I think just the instant sort of link-up and the connection I had with him. Uh, he signed at the same time as me. and He just played for Spain in the, I think it was the Under-23 or the Under-21 Cup, World Cup or something, and they'd won it. And he played in a team with Xavi, Casillas, uh, all the big hitters. And then he sort of ends up playing with a lad who's come from Hartlepool, i.e. myself. Uh, so I wonder what he was thinking when he'd signed. Um, but we struck up a great friendship on and off the pitch and still speak to him this day, and he was definitely there the best player I've played with in terms of a connection and stuff like that. Toughest opponents? Yeah, fortunate to play against the, the best midfielders of Premier League era history, you know, the likes of Roy Keane, the Gerrards, the Scholes, the Lampards. Uh, but the, the one player that stands out for me on that day against him was Patrick Vieira. You just could not get near him. All arms, all legs, powerhouse, box to box. And he was just, outstanding on the day against him and uh, I would have to say him most underrated player you played with uh, good question uh, there's been a few you know at lower league level there's lads who I think could step up easily quite comfortably you know should have played high if they were given an opportunity if they were given a chance um, Marcus Stewart in the Premier League obviously did brilliant and a fantastic centre forward and, and, and should have gotten an England cap um it's quite hard off the top of my head, but uh, yeah, probably them too, you know, but there's probably a few more as well.
0: In terms of managers, who would you say, looking back at your playing career, was the manager that got the best out of you?
1: Joe Royal. You know, I, I, I do mention, I should mention Chris Turner as well at Hartlepool, because when he came to Hartlepool, he sort of changed my game. I, I didn't know what I was really. Was there an attacking midfielder? Was there someone who could get on the ball? And, that's how Hartlepool see me when I first broke into the first team, sort of getting the ball off the back four and starting and play off. And then Chris Turner came in, changed the formation, went to three at the back, five in midfield, three-five-two, and gave me a license to get forward. Got me goals, got me moves. Um, so he deserves credit. Um, but Joe Royal uh, was was the best because of the success or the the goals so I scored and how I enjoyed my football under him. He he gave me a license to player and like I say a fantastic man manager.
0: Favourite ground that
1: you've scored that? Anfield, definitely uh, as a kid, Anfield with its history, tradition, you know you watch it on the telly and you'll never walk alone and when you walk out through the tunnel and you hear that song and the fans are singing it, the hairs on the back of your neck stand up and to score there um, at the cop end uh, was a fantastic feeling and um, yeah, very proud of that moment
0: Is there a move during your career that you look back on that you didn't make, in hindsight, you go, maybe I should have taken it? Uh, I
1: I don't think you have any regrets, but I I could have possibly joined Leeds. Like I said, I I had a couple of times to go to Leeds and I knew how big a club Leeds was, but at the time it it, it didn't feel right. Uh, But possibly looking back in Leeds, it's certainly one of the the points uh, where I had the chance.
0: You're, you're coaching now as we talked about you've got ambitions to be a manager I have no doubts that you will be a manager and you will make your way up the, the footballing pyramid what advice do you give to the young players that you're coaching or any young players listening to this who want to make it in the game
1: I think practice practice and practice I mean football is a short career you know make the most of it um, you know you have lots of time away from football I mean Go in the gym, work hard on your strength, work hard on your fitness, work hard on your skill, Work, go out with the ball. I mean, at Ipswich, I used to look at, at Darren Bent and Darren Ambrose after training. You'd have to drag them back inside because they were just wanting to play football. They were wanting to do the shooting. They were wanting to do free kicks. You know, they were so keen and so enthusiastic. And then you had Matt Richie at Swindon. I looked at him and I thought... He was out there every day after training. to had to drag him in. It was, it was practising his free kicks, practising his corners. He just loved football, loved the game. And it's no surprise he's went on to have the career he's had because he was, his dedication, and that's what you need. You need to be fully dedicated and, like I say, practice. It's a short career. Make sure you make the most of it.
0: Brilliant, Tommy. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me. And I wish you all the best, as I've said, in, in your coaching career and at Spennymoor Town this season. Thank you very much. I've really enjoyed it and uh, good luck, thank you. So we'll dive down to the ocean, and we'll make her home in a deep sea cavern. Shells will all be open. They'll be filled with song, they'll be filled with song. We'll dive down to the ocean, and we'll make her home in a deep sea cavern. Shells will all be open. Filled with song, I'll be filled with song.